Welcome to Authentic Living with Roxanne, a place where we have conscious conversations about things that really matter in our lives. And now, here's your host, Roxanne Derhage. It's uh, Roxanne Durhodge. Thanks for tuning in again. Uh, this week, I have a colleague, Kevin Kelly. Hi, Kevin. How are you today? Hi, Roxanne. How are you doing? Kevin's all the way all over in Ireland, so we're going to have to chat with him about that today. So I'm going to tell you a little bit about Kevin's background, um, and he's done some fascinating things out there in uh, the speaking world and also the training world. He's authored five books. Um, he also has three D- CDs. Um, uh, the most recent is do the pursuit of exceptional execution and exceptional is spelled with an X at the beginning described by Tom Peters as the book he would have loved to have written has broken sales records across industries and cultures working with Microsoft worldwide partner community on exceptional selling to manufacturers of construction equipment. Kevin has sold them all. He's addressed audiences across the globe in as much as 35 plus companies from Korea to Columbia, San Francisco, to Hong Kong, and has also fundraised a, a million euro for several projects that's helped build two schools in Africa. Wow, pretty amazing, Kevin. And a local youth building and many sporting facilities. Um, something I've noticed is he sco- scored a volley from the half line in a competitive soccer match. Sorry, Adam, in parentheses, whoever Adam, Adrian. <laughs> whoever Adrian is, I'm sure he's gonna love this intro. <laughs> <laughs> he was happy about that goal, I can tell you. <laughs> so, so thank you so much for coming in today to uh, chat. Kevin and I recently met in uh, Florida at a, a um, speaking event. Um, so I thought it would be interesting for him to come in and just chat about what he does. Because in today's society, um, I would say that most of us are super, super distracted all the time. I would say, I'd like to believe that I would say often, but I would say most of the times. And I'll give you an example of what happens in my life. With my son, he will say to me, mom, you need to put your phone at the front, you know, on the shelf. And I go, oh, why? He goes, do you realize how much you're on it? And he, you know, that'll stop me. And I'm pretty good at staying present in those types of things. And here's a, a teenager telling his mom that she's not present. And, and, you know, with Kevin, I know that you speak a lot on that. So, how much are you kind of seeing out there in the world with? Well, look, I mean, it's endemic. That's the first thing. And I suppose we'll start with the positive. If you're either a company or an individual, let's say, say an individual. Well, I think the biblical quote of, uh, with a slight twist, listeners will inherit the, the earth because there is no doubt about it that if you are a good listener, you're going to become very popular in the your community because you're going to be a very rare item. That's the reality. Um, and obviously the message for companies as well is to listen. Absolutely, no question about that. But let me go at a story level first. All you've got to do is walk down to the mall and watch two people interacting. And what you will see is one person talking, the other person, if you watch their body language, are clearly not listening. Uh, The first person stops 
uh, with their monologue and the second person then starts with their monologue. So basically, as I've said many times, uh, monologues have replaced dialogues and presentations have replaced conversations. And that's just reality. The stats stack up as well. Um, they say that the average attention span in 2003 five was 12 seconds. They now say that the average attention span is eight seconds and the average attention span of a goldfish is nine seconds. So that puts it in context. And um, in terms of, uh, you know, I can give you a hundred different studies. Uh, University of California say we start a task, we're interrupted every three minutes, five seconds. And the interesting thing then, according to Gloria Mark, who did the study, is it takes us another 23 minutes after that to get back to the task at hand. So you can imagine, I'd say if you worked out, you know, people on the job, the amount of work they do in a day, well, if, if you pass 50 or 60% of the, the time you're at the desk, I'd say that's been very optimistic, to put it mildly. You know, so yeah, it's endemic, uh, but I always like to, you know, flip it and say that obviously, uh, so let's say for any people who are salespeople out there, we're all in selling ideas, <laughs> selling ideas to our kids, we're all in the selling game to a degree. Um, without a doubt, if you are present, if you are in the moment, if you are listening to people, if you are repeating back what they've said, if you are solving their problem, you're going to become one hell of a mighty hit in the community, without a doubt. It's in yeah, for sure. And I think what's happening is that we're, we're underestimating um, the cost of connection because, uh, you know, a lot of times in my role um, as a consultant in companies is that we call, there's the term, I'm sure you've heard it, presenteeism. Yeah. So a lot of people are present. So if you look at kind of the metrics of, you know, what's supposedly, you know, what are, what's it saying about my, my employee base is that, you know, Jim is there at work all the time. <laughs> But yeah. maybe I'm getting 5% um, productivity from him. Um, and But he's flying under the radar because he's not hitting any kind of bells and whistles for HR potentially to for him to have an issue at work. But he's oftentimes the, the, the you know, the slice of the population that's coughing, costing companies a, a, most of the money in productivity. Yeah, totally. And I suppose I'm going to switch it and flip it back to sales just to put it in, in, in my framework. Uh, if Jim is at his table or if he is in any ways interacting with a client and he is not present, uh, we are really losing out because sales is now becoming very much a team sport and you have to have everybody engaged. But there's no question that people, you cannot measure productivity on who turns up at work. <laughs> you measure, you have to really measure productivity on outcomes, specific outcomes. That's the bottom line because presenteeism is as big a problem as absenteeism, obviously. They're Absolutely. there, but they're not there. That's the bottom line, you know. And that's, that's the way it's going to be for, you know. I mean, like, one of the things I'd be very clear on as well is, and we talked a lot about this in Florida, is, you know, not, it's not just a case of even attempting to fake it being there. For, for companies and for people to really survive and thrive, they have to be authentically there. They have to have positive intent to be there in the first place. They have to be in the moment. And that's how you transform sales of an organization. And like, I, I'll give you, a, you know, I know I like my sales talk, but, you know, I've been asked so many times, how do you actually break sales records across industries? And it's very simple. It's sell people back their product. 
That's as simple and as elegant as it is. How, how does that work out? It means that I'm going in, listening to people's problems, uh, understanding exactly the problems, the challenges that they have in their organization. And I present my product in that framework. And if it doesn't fit, I go back to my my uh, to, to base and see what part of the ideas that I got from the customer can be integrated into the product and I go back to them again and say listen Roxanne we talked about this two weeks ago and you mentioned A, B and C just want to tell you one of the things we've now done with our product is we've added A and B is in the pipeline but at the moment with A so I'm selling them back their product there's an emotional investment and Roxanne is much more likely to buy something she's invested in than my idea so, but may I also very quickly go on to say this, is that obviously you have to be able to sell something of value and you are solving problems. I'm not suggesting this is a method of, you know, scamming people. The intent has to be good from the outset. So, you know, you've worked, I mean, you've worked with huge industries to, to train their, their, their staff, right? Like you said, at the end of the day, I get up, I have multiple customers by opening my eyes, right? I have my son, I have, you know, the person that's picking up my recycle. I have lots of things, you know, the person at the coffee shop, wherever. I'm always selling myself, right? So really, you know, with me, I talk about authenticity. The more connected we are to ourselves, you know, we're able to kind of mirror that to others and people can read us, right? And, And we underestimate um, the mirror neurons, like, you know, when I met you in, in Florida, I knew, I thought, okay, well, this guy's an interesting guy. He's a little bit of a, a little bit of a funny accent. I'm joking. Love the accent. But, you know, like what makes me want to spend a little bit more time with people? And, and oftentimes we think, oh, well, there's a, di- there's a different vibe, right? So vibe is just that. Vibe is about, okay, this is who I am. Who are you? And we may not be saying anything to each other other than my mirror neurons and which business proven, you know, Correct. you and kind of getting a sense of, okay, what, what's this lady about? Do I want to chat with her more? And if we're doing that in any conversation at work, we're constantly selling. Correct. Now, but let's go back to the analysis. The interesting, you brought up some really interesting there because the whole, um, the whole field, for example, I did NLP in 1996, and I actually did it, you know, it was when I was the complete dreamer, still a dreamer, uh, but I did in the same school that um, Anthony Robbins did it as uh, trained by the same people. But one of the key parts of their, um, you know, the whole process is matching and mirroring. And uh, I didn't actually realize that the bottom line is mirror neurons are automatic. We don't have to go to a course for it. It's been established by the University of Uppsala. We have neurons and it is our natural state. So that's number one. But number two is this, is which I think is really important, is that what people have to realize is that they may think that, yeah, we turn up and, you know, we will try our best to create an impression. But without them opening their mouth, they are screaming at me everything I need to know about them. I'll tell you a funny story. This is a true story. Um, um, I was brought in by a multinational to assess the directors of the company. There's 25 uh, directors being flown in from all around the world. It was a U.S. multinational. And um, so we're getting the room set up. Um, it was a really lovely sunny day. I always remembered. And as we're setting up the room, one of the directors walks in, walks past me, doesn't say hello or anything, you know, no big deal, walks to the podium, puts his hands on the podium, looks around like this. Only me and him were in this small room. And he goes, yeah, I could do this. 
yeah, I could do this. And I was going, oh, okay, well, whatever, good, good for you. Didn't, didn't interact, didn't pay any attention to it. So I was okay. So in walks the 25 people. Uh, so if you can imagine the room, it's uh, three rows of eight, uh, 25 people squashed in nicely together because good energy. I like that's the way I work it. And I noticed very quickly a pattern that I've seen in, as you said, I've spoken 35 countries. I've seen this in most rooms. Um, I saw a guy sitting at the back and he was very uncomfortable in the seat. So he was kind of moving a lot in the seat. And then he was doing the second thing, which is he started looking around. So he was looking at the rest of the audience. Now, I won't ask you what he was doing. I'll tell you <laughs> in this case. But clearly, I knew what was happening. He was looking around to see was everyone as disengaged as he was or was there anyone just like him? Because that is your natural state. When you, um, it's, a bit, it's almost like fight or flight, but at the moment, he's, he, he, he wants out. And he needs to see somebody just like him to affirm his position to make him feel good. So he looked around, and at that time, the other 24 people were in rapport, and they seemed to be quite interested in what I was saying. So the next thing he did was, because he couldn't find a buddy, was he folded his arms, crossed his legs, and looked through me, not at me. There is a very, very, you know yourself, there's a soft look, and you're totally engaged, and there is a stare through. So that was fine. So I knew he wasn't enjoying the process. So the director said to me, look, we want you to analyze people. How long will it take you? And I said, look, give me five minutes. And he says, look, that's not possible. I said, five minutes is perfect. But I tell you what, let's talk at the first break. So that was going to be an hour uh, into the session. It was a three-hour session. And, and I told him I'd give him the feedback at that stage. So clearly the break comes. And lo and behold, who is the first person up to me? My friend with the folded arms and the legs crossed and clearly not happy. And he shook my hand and he says, you are the most amazing speaker I have ever seen in my life. Amazing. Amazing. Now, in my head, I was going, oh, give me a break. Like, it's obvious you are completely disengaged. But of course, I didn't say that. I just said, oh, thank you very much. Up walks the HR director and says to me, okay, where's my problems? Tell me where my problem is in the room. I says, you've got two problems. you got one that's kind of, I'm sure you'll be able to manage. And I, of course, talked about the guy that came in at the start and put his hands on the podium, obviously with a, for a cry for attention and re, you know, affirmation, aren't you great? I said, he's probably easy, but I said, you've got a guy that's in that company at the moment. I suggest that he is probably quite poisonous. He tries to get people around him when he doesn't share your opinion. And I'd say he's quite a challenge. And he says, who? And of course, I mentioned the guy who said I was the best speaker in the world. And he says, he just went absolutely bright red. He says, do you know what? We've opened up every window, every door upstairs, hoping that he was going to leave and leave the building for good. We can't get rid of him for 10 years. He was the biggest problem. And my point is this is, and this is the point about authenticity. You know, I know they say fake it and you make it sorry. When you're around people that actually understand people, they will read you within seconds. And the problem is, if it's in the selling capacity that you are, most people are, you have lost the deal. Because if I smell inauthentic, uh, people around me that are trying to sell ideas to me, that's it, it's over. And that could take about three seconds.
So, so again, it's going back to like what, what's really going on internally, which is kind of what I consult on all the time. It's kind of like as a leader, for instance, let's say you're that head of that multinational. If, if that's his, his kind of setup or his blueprint, and he's not really kind of showing people that, you know, what he's about, not that he's going to share everything about his life, but maybe for a vision. And he says, basically, you know what, this is all you need to know, just get it done versus the leader that says, look, this is the vision. This is why it means something to me. This is why it's important. This is why we're projecting into maybe growing the business. And this is my passion. One's transparent, the other isn't. Correct. Now, but in this guy's case, the interesting is he was one of the directors. He wasn't the managing director. But what he, like, if I was consulting with that company is, I said, I would be saying, this guy needs to come clean. He needs to come clean because I am absolutely sure that the people that are underneath him, and remember, all studies show, Gallup, the most recent study says that people leave because of their boss. So you can imagine if you were one of the direct lines to this guy who doesn't listen, who wants to be the kingpin, who thinks he knows it all, etc. If I'm the managing director over him, I'm going to take him aside and say, look, this is the reality. This is what you're projecting. This is not the way we're going to get towards our vision that you alluded to. We have got to have a more collaborative and real and authentic relationships with our direct lines. Are you willing to go here? I think you have to go that far with somebody like that because I'd say the biggest problem is that they hide away from them and think the problem's going to go away. It's not going to go away. That's the problem. It has to be dealt with. And for 10 years, the, you know, what, is the, what has the boss been? That's a thing, right? Because you're seeing it. You're seeing it within seconds mm -hmm. that he's coming up. He's being, in, he's being completely inauthentic because you've read, uh -huh. just read through him in a, in a room full of 25 people. And they've been seeing that. Nobody's been calling it. No, they haven't. But they have, and they have been seen it. They knew completely. Right, right, maybe right. they wanted me. I, maybe they were hoping I was going to come up and say it was somebody different, and they'd go, "Whew! Thank God he didn't see your man." You know. But anyway. But uh, look, the point is, and this is back to sales and about being authentic and so forth and so on. Part of your job is if you understand that attention is the most important and most powerful business drug at the moment, and you decide, okay. The first step of attention for me uh, is the personal level. That's the building block, who you are. And, you know, I always ask this question. I think it's, you know, obviously it mirrors a question that's been asked by many, you know, speakers. But what's your why? You know, what, why, why are you doing it? Because if you love what you do and you actually care about the customer, you don't need any sales training. That's going to automatically come across from your presence. So if you have a big enough why, I think that that helps in terms of selling any type of idea. But you, need, you really, really need to know what you're projecting. And also in that context, clearly, you need really good people around you that are willing to tell you the truth as opposed to what you want to hear, which is the easy way out, you know. For sure, so, for sure. It's interesting stuff, though. Well, I mean, and if you think about it, like with me, when I, you know, was in training or when I say when, when, within a, when I see my patients still in my practice, within seconds, I know what's going on. Mm -hmm. They'll tell me one word and within seconds I'm reading um, and I know they're kind of checking me out. They're, 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 they're listening to me, but they're watching me. And I often say to people, you know, um, this is a big investment in whatever you're doing, whether I'm training your, your employees or I'm seeing the person one-to-one -one or I'm coaching. So you have to make the best decision for you. So here's the deal. Let's have a conversation. You walk away 
And if I'm not the right fit, by all means, take this as time that you spent with me. And whatever you gain from that, walk away with it, apply it, and I hope that's all you need. If you think that there's need for more, then we can, we can start having the conversation to work with. And I can say, Kevin, you know what, without a doubt, and if I have a gut ache with someone, I will tell them it's not the right fit. Yeah, and you know because because what ends up happening in the long run and i've done this over my career then i end up in the in the situation and then there's other things that come up that it's a stumbling block that ends up being not the right fit so you're right within you know what what is it that malcolm gladwell calls it he calls it thin slicing yeah yes yeah. within seconds yeah. you can feel it and then you think what what's going on i'm feeling something i don't know what i'm feeling mm -hmm. there's nothing my my visuals telling me everything's in line but that you know that gut you know, is, is giving me something that's saying something out of is out of alignment. And they always go back to, you know, based on, again, on research, which I'm sure you can probably give me all the actual numbers on this, that um, with brain cells that we have more in our stomach than we do actually in our, on our brain, because we have brain cells going throughout our body all over, of which the stomach has the most concentration of them. So listen. Well, I think what you, there's several interesting points you make, but I'll, 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 I'll it's, it's not an advert, but my second book was called Life, A Trip Towards Trust. And what I meant was trusting your intuition. Because for me, I, I always ask this question at conferences at the start, you know, when we're analyzing people, etc. How many times have you met somebody uh, for the first time and it just didn't feel right? but you decided to dismiss it exactly for the reasons you mentioned there, Roxanne, because, you know, it's a left brain analysis. Well, everything's fine and everything seems to be fine. All the optics are fine. And, you know, however, it's a feeling. And I would say in every audience in the 35 countries and the thousands of people, I would say 80% of people put their hand up that they disregarded their gut to their pearl because they found out you know, it might be two months later, three months later, that that, that feeling, that gut feeling actually held the truth. It was the wisdom, but they decided to go with the left brain analysis, which, you know, the one thing I've learned in life, you know, again, just stories, but in 1996, I decided this is the language. I was going to write a best-selling book. <clears throat> now, I've got a D in English in my leaving cert. I've got a D in English in my junior cert. So that's high school and junior school. So I, I was consistently bad at English, but I decided it was right. It felt right, and I was going to pursue it. So uh, without any analysis, and this is where it all fits in, um, I got an A4 page. I wrote down on it, I am a best-selling author, and I put it over my workspace. Uh, without any analysis of writing a book, because I'd never written a book. Uh, I put manuscript finished by May the 25th on another A4 page. They were both over my workspace and both on the back of my office door as I went out. And my focus was on the dream. What I didn't do, which a lot of people do, and this is where the fight between intuition and knowledge comes in, and it's a kind of interesting angle I'm going to take it is that most people take out another page and what they do is the pros and cons of their dreams you know the positives and the negatives mm -hmm. here's the interesting the interesting thing about life at the moment and we are in the era of information overload that's why i'm talking about an attention economy loads of information minimal broad width or bandwidth to process it is that in this information age you will always find enough reasons not to act so when you're doing pros and cons in 95% of the circumstances, without a doubt, 
you will find, yeah, I have a few pros, but you'll find you have a hell of a side more, side more cons. So even in 96, I said, no, you know what? I'm going to go with it. I'm going to focus on it. I'm going to believe in it. My gut says it, and I ran with it. <clears throat> and I'll just show you the back of the book. Well, that's the front. It's, it's, you know, it's called How When You Don't Know How. How You Don't Know How. Okay. How When You Don't Know How. And watch this. This is a picture that was taken in a pharmacy. And at the time, they had no Photoshop. So I had a cold. You'll notice I had from the picture. And also, I was trying to model the gurus. And when I looked at all the American gurus at the time, they always kind of went like this. So I got a few things wrong, though. So that's the picture. I don't know if you can see that. Yeah. Your hair is very dark there. I know. You'll also see a very red nose, and you'll also see a finger in my ear. Yes. So I, got, I even got the guru pose wrong. But anyway, that book sold 15,000 copies. To put that in context, um, if you want to get on the New York Times bestseller, it's 11,000 copies. If you want to get on to the Wall Street Journal bestseller for a week, it's 3,000 copies. And in Ireland in 1996, Nobody had written a book like that on motivation, self-help. Nobody. It was the first of its kind. And motivation in Ireland, because we're kind of, you know, healthily cynical about things. Yeah, motivation was for the loonies in 1996. <laughs> so, you know, I was totally stepping outside, you know, what was right to be doing, etc. But the reason I give that story is because it was driven by gut. And everything I do is driven by gut. Sensory evidence would rule out absolutely everything I do normally, but I tend to go, no, it feels right. I'm going for it. So you brought up something. The other thing I wanted to pick on what you said, which I thought was very interesting. I think it would be interesting for your listeners, just as a challenge of, of what you said, you were willing to share, as I am when I speak to companies, ideas with them. Mm -hmm. Here's the ideas. Is there something fine? If there isn't, that's fine. What I find with a lot of people, both um, individually and, or, you, know, you know, when they're going for a job or when they're pitching an idea, they're always thinking, I don't want to give them too much information. Being honest with you, I think, you know, make the best pitch you can make. Give me the best you've got, because if we connect, I'm going to play with you regardless, you know. But so many people say, I've got an idea and, you know, I can't tell you everything about it. I'm going... By the time you finish this phone call, it's going to be out of date. So <laughs> act on it. Execute, you know. So, yeah. So absolutely. Intuition and also the ability to share and not being afraid. That's a sign of confidence in your ability when you are willing to share. And you're not going to say, well, I could tell you about this. you got to share. Well, you know, back. Kevin, that's an amazing story. So I, I think I can mirror that in a way because I remember when I, um, you know, I was – consulting for 16 years uh, in health and wellness. And, you know, I, I got the, you know, the golden handshake with the severance package and the, 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 I had the deer in the headlights. Okay. I had all this experience and all this stuff, but now what am I going to do with my life? Right. <laughs> and then I came up with this idea. I said, well, I'm just going to write about what I know about, which is relationships. So here I have no job, you know, um, you know, within, I think I, severance and then I separated within three months so I did all of that no job okay I'm thinking okay I don't know what I'm going to do but now I'm going to write this book so I think probably people around me that you know the people that really know me they're probably thinking you know we know her but other people are thinking what is going on I thought you know what I'm just going to know what write about what I know well I am a relationship expert I've dealt with people from the front line of of chaos happening from um, just something really traumatic all the way up to CEOs 
And the one strain that I know my gift is with is relationships. So I thought, I'm going to write about that. And I, I, like you, I was a good enough writer, you know, um, and, you know, thought I'm going to write a book. If any of my English teachers probably know that, now they'd be like, what? <laughs> I, did the same. I did the same. Within six months, I had put out the book and done the whole bit, becoming an Amazon bestseller. But if I had listened to all the white noise that was coming at me with all the stress in my life and those types of things, I would not have followed through. Yeah, I would have said, you know, you know, what gives you, you know, I, ha I heard people say like, what, what makes you think you can write a book? I'm sure you've heard those types of things prior to writing the first one, but it's kind of pushing against, you know, what the world is kind of, kind of, you know, kind of pushing at you and then slowing down, which is what I talk about in my kind of process with uh, companies and with employees. It's about, you know, getting connected, but not getting connected in that I'm going to do a Pilates class or a yoga class once a week. But I talk about daily small little things that you do because we have everything around us, but it's what we focus on that helps us, you know, stays authentic and then, brings us back to the present because we're either in the, worrying about what's happened in the past or kind of catapulting into the future. Oh, so that's kind of what I talk about a lot, but so you're so right, right? It's, there's always those pros and cons in this economy. You're absolutely right. Because I often say to people, when is the last time you just had nothing playing where you're thinking about nothing and you're just sitting there in silence. And most people will say to me, Oh, Oh, a couple months ago. <laughs> Yeah, I know. But the key thing, though, there, and this is the key lesson that I've learned, is execution, though. You know, I mean, I think that's the, like, the one thing I've always said is, you know, I always say, do it. That's, I was delighted with the title, do, because that's been my life. That's the type of person I am. But I have found that do it, engage in the journey. And as I said, I will always guarantee people that they will end up in a place they recognize as better than their starting point. Now, it may not be what they've written on that piece of paper, but engagement guarantees progress, without a doubt. And it's just taking that step. And normally, there's so much fear in that first step that when you actually overcome that, magic happens regardless. But without a doubt, it's engagement. You know, And even for a company, like if I'm talking to, to companies about you know, the whole idea of really putting attention at the forefront, you know, with the bottom line effect of increasing their sales, you know, I talk about, yeah, so we'll start with the person, we'll move on to collaboration, but the bottom line, the wheels underneath this whole process is a doing mentality. You're going to do something and let's see where that happens. And then the script will unfold itself. And it's a bit like sales as well, as I say as well, in a slightly different way is so many people prepared their great salespeople with scripts and this, that, and the other. But the reality is the great salespeople just turn up and let the person's, the other person's physiology dictate what they're going to say because they're telling you what the script is if you're clever enough. So, yeah, it's kind of interesting. It's good fun, though. Good, good well, challenge. Well, it is because it's about, you know, <clears throat> this fantastic script and maybe somebody's, you know, um, just come in because they've got some bad news from at home or maybe they didn't sleep that night. Or yeah. Maybe some, you know, maybe they have their performance review and they're trying to kind of stay focused and you're not going to get, and you, if you stop and say, oh, it seems like you got a lot going on, could yeah. be something very basic. And they go, oh, does it show? Oh yeah. It kind of looks like, you know, uh, and then they might go, yeah, yeah. I've had a, a tough day today. Okay. Well, 
let me know, you know, how much time we should spend today. So at least they recognize that you recognize something's awry with them versus you just kind of coming and you're, you're, you're pitching and kind of, you got to do it, but it's timing again because people remember that too about you. Oh, totally. And they, they really remember when you've been in the moment and you understood and saw that this wasn't the moment for you to be talking at a hundred miles an hour. That, that's really respected. I, I've told men, like I won't mention the name again, but probably the biggest contract I've ever got was where I spoke to another speaker and they told me, oh, you've got to go to this organization because that's when you speak at this, magic happens. And of course, I rang up the organizer and I knew from her voice that she did not want to talk to me at that moment. So I often ask that question of um, sales pros, what would you do? So you're onto the decision maker. It's the big moment and you hear it in her voice. She doesn't want to talk to you. What do you do? <laughs> and to be honest with you, the majority of people aren't able to answer a fairly obvious question. Wow. Because, because what you do is exactly what you said to there is I said, look, um, I'm not going to mention the name. I'll call her Mary. I, I say, look, uh, Mary, I, I I'm guessing this isn't the best time. So I'm just wondering, would there be a time that would suit you um, in the next you know, few weeks? I'd love to chat to you. Immediately her voice changed and she went, you're absolutely correct. And her, you know, she didn't say it, but you knew that she, it was appreciative of it. And she says, actually, tomorrow is good. I'm going to tell you the rest of the story because it's very funny. This company was in Chicago, Illinois. So if people are Googling and trying to find out, they'll work it out sooner or later. And she says, so I rang her the next day, but now I'm ringing a person who wants to talk to me and has time to talk to me. That, that's a big difference to somebody who is really stressed, is not in the right moment, and doesn't really want to talk to anyone, not just you. So she said, um, actually, as it turns out, I'm going on holidays in the next six weeks. I said, oh, great. And uh, of course, like every American, she was going on holidays too. Ireland, of course, <laughs> and not only was she going to Ireland, she was going to my city, and to make a long story short, uh, I met her in the city, uh, brought her around, uh, we had a great time, she was a really nice woman, and uh, sealed the deal, and spoke in front of 5,000 people as a result, and I suppose the, the moral of the story, again, it's back to attention, you're in the moment, you're listening, you're understanding, you notice the person, it's not a good time, get off the phone. It's very simple. Get off the phone. They don't want to talk to you or anybody else. And when you do that, it's professional, it's authentic, and talk when they want to talk. And the rest is history. It's, you know, the one thing I will say about selling, you know, you said it in the bio, you know, I've been involved in everything from mini diggers, which is the guys that cut up your garden, to big diggers, to crystal, to ambulances, to Microsoft Worldwide partner community selling software. I've pretty much been involved in selling everything. It's the same rules. It's very, very simple. Can you pay maximum attention to the customer? Can you deliver quality, authentic attention to the customer? You know, it's all about that. And it's also about, you know, the clarity of your message, you know, who are you? What's your why at an individual level? At a corporate level, what's your story? What are you bringing different to the, the marketplace? How are you solving that customer's problems? And so forth. So it's very simple. 
uh, you know, we talked about this in, in Florida. You know, I have not for once ever said that what I do is amazeballs. You know, at the end of the day, it's the transfer of very simple common sense principles, probably in a, a very good way. I suppose that's my delivery is, you know, not bad, I guess. Uh, but it isn't, you know, it's not amazing concepts that nobody's ever heard of before. But as I said, the reality is we are moving away from common sense. We're moving away from conversation. We are moving away from dialogue. And that's the reality. And we really need to take time to consider that. That's really important. And the people that do a bit of reverse engineering on it, they're going to have a unique selling point as a result, which is bizarre to say. When I, I go back to Kevin, that it's really basics, right? It's kind of like, okay, I often say, you know, we replicate how we were treated, you know, in our life. And mm -hmm. if you just go back to kind of what are the, and some, I mean, some people didn't grow up being intuitive and really starting to listen to their gut and those types of things, but that doesn't mean that's not possible. We can all learn it. Correct. Right. Absolutely. Like we, we are human beings. We have bodies, we have thoughts, we have feelings. And if you've not kind of, you kind of feel you're kind of a little bit disjointed, you can, you can get connected in that way. So it's really about being a good person in the world, thinking, you know, if I were in this situation, how would I want somebody to treat me? Like if I'm having a rough day or if I'm juggling a deadline or something like that, what you did just said, I hear you. You're not saying it, but I hear you. Yeah. Um, no problem. You're, so you're kind of mirroring back what she was giving you from a sure. telephone, no doubt. Um, and then saying, you know, what's going to work and it worked out really well. And I think people can learn. So I think it's just about going back to some of the basics that we're getting away from, right? Like actually sitting across from people having conversations. If I'm talking to someone and they're distracted, I'm going to say to them, like, in, you know, we saw it in Florida too, with us being busy and all that. You recognize if someone's talking to you and they're distracted, you say, oh, okay, well, seems like you're a little bit, let's catch up a little bit later. And then, you, you know, if that's going to be, it's going to happen again if it's not meant to be. So I think it's that some of those basic things that we're going back to, things we should be doing in our everyday lives. It shouldn't just be about what we do at work. You know, it should be with people, you know, like with Connor or with your partner, yeah. with myself, you know, kind of with people around you. How would people describe how you are in that space? It's the same kind yeah. of space that you should be taking out into the professional world, in my opinion. I think you're absolutely right. And I think that that's, like, that's another really interesting point you brought up. And I know this is going to be quite a contentious point. But uh, people ask me, am I like this all the time? And the bad news is, yeah. <laughs> I don't change. You know, there's no, you know, and even like one, I've been asked many, many times, you know, so what is your prep for speaking? Like, you know, your pre kind of keynote uh, ritual and and it's not in any ways being smart it's just saying it as it is because I've seen so many people and it's the way they're working that's fine they're walking up and down behind the stage and they're you know mentally programming etc I say I just walk onto stage that's my preparation <laughs> I have to get up to the stage some way you know what I mean because it's who I am it's not it's not an act it's who I am so I don't have to mentally prepare a new Kevin for a speech because that's who I am you know, so which is which is uh, a good place to be, right? Because you don't have to kind of set a prep to go on. You're just like, hey, I know my content. I know what I need to deliver. Um, you know, I, I get quiet because sometimes I find that if I'm doing, I'm I'm the type I'm always doing a lot. So I try to before I go on, I'm about yeah, twenty minutes on. just to be completely quiet, and then yeah. then I go on. But you know, oh. you're still right. Congruence and authenticity is the key. 
Yeah, at the highest possible level, I think so, without a doubt. I think you can get away with it to a certain degree for a while. But for me, um, well, look, it's about living with yourself as well. Like, I know when the phone rings, nobody will ever tell me, oh, you said this, like, and, you know, I'm going, I know what I said. I don't, you know what I mean? It's, it's not, you know, I'm, I don't play games. I, you know, it comes at a cost, you know. People that are very honest can, you know, People mightn't like it sometimes. They might prefer if you play the game. But I don't actually think you're serving people by telling them anything except the truth. In a nice way, obviously. But on the same token, a lot of people would prefer to hear what they want to hear. And that's normal, too. Well, Kevin, this has been amazing. It's, you know, it's funny, you know, when you meet people and, you know, you kind of think about what, what kind of speaking and consulting you do on and what I do as a mental health expert you know, we, we're talking about, you know, different, maybe potentially different kinds of speaking, but really we're talking about people, right? Yeah, for sure. For sure. It's always about people. Yeah, it's always about people. Now, yeah. I know that you're doing some, um, you, you're doing some uh, interesting things here in uh, uh, North America. So I hope that you would be able to tell people that would have enjoyed uh, listening to you today about where, um, what you're planning to do, and maybe if there's anybody out there that's interested in having you help, um, helping you out, that they know how to reach you and tell them what you're doing. Yeah, fantastic. I appreciate that. Well, obviously, over the next 12 months, I expect to be in the States quite a lot, which should be a nice, enjoyable challenge. And look, if any of the people listening are involved with companies that are doing sales meeting or sales kickoff meetings or engagement meetings or sales meetings or sales training trainings look it'd be fantastic to hear from you i'm you know it's very simple my website is kevin kelly unlimited.com no doubt you'll share that it's u-n-l-i-m-i-t-e-d.com but it's you know just drop us an email and there's no problem we can have you know the one thing that I do with all speaker bureaus, for example, if there is a client that has a specific problem that wants to be solved, just like you talked about earlier, I'm very happy to get onto a Zoom call or a Skype call and talk for 15, 20 minutes, see if there's anything there. If there isn't, no problem. We all walk away, no, no big deal. So yeah, uh, if anyone is working with a company and they think I could help them improve their sales and their engagement and their collaboration, love to talk to them. Simple as that. Awesome. So for everyone, uh, again, Kevin, this has been amazing. Uh, so I, you know, when we think about the attention economy, which is the you know concept of when I heard uh, Kevin talk about it in Florida, I was like, wow, that's uh, that's that's so true, and we see it all around us. But to recognize that we have the capacity to just slow down and really get connected and listen, and you know, in whatever capacity, whether like it's. Um, us being out with our friends or being uh, meeting someone in a grocery line that, you know, people are constantly reading us. So if you're wanting to get better at it, just to try to see what kind of things or ask for feedback with people around you about what kind of things you can do. So for myself, if you're needing more, any more information, um, my, obviously I'm a mental health and wellness expert. I do keynotes and uh, consulted and in executive coaching. You can reach me at roxannehodge.com. Okay, everyone. Thank you. And take care till next week. Thanks for tuning in to Authentic Living with Roxanne, creating the space for positive, healthy change. Roxanne is a keynote speaker, psychotherapist, and coach. To work with Roxanne, visit roxanderhajcom slash blueprint. We'll see you next time on Authentic Living with Roxanne.